Yeah, it was 13 and I was doing something that was illegal. I was giving financial <laughs> advice to people, telling people how to uh, invest in stocks. That was one expensive post. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> when you don't have to worry about your next meal, your next paycheck, your next this, your next that, you are free to ponder all the questions of the universe. We got this revenue coming in, we're profitable, and we're bellissimo. <laughs> I approve the Italian. What is the clear outcome of talking to someone in Denmark? There's no clear outcome, like there is no one plus one equals two. And that mission really is to see people across the world economically empowered on their own financial platform so they can make decisions that they want to in the world. Cool. So here we are, fourth episode. Super exciting guest today. We spoke together before. I've, actually, it happened that I was ranting to you about my entrepreneurship experience and, you know, hitting the keyboard and you were like, no, man, just chill, relax. And we were like, super far away like you're in new york and i was in copenhagen you know so that has been super exciting and uh, i'll just give a quick introduction about david and i'm sure you're gonna tell us a lot about framework and what you're currently building yeah. so david hunt from my research on like on your profile you are a serial entrepreneur and i mm. think you are the first one so far in our you know series like series or podcast that had several experiences building startups. And the most interesting thing is that these experiences guided you to understand that the process is fucked up. Hell yeah. You know, and you're trying to fix that. So right. that is super, super like uh, meaningful and ambitious because it wouldn't make sense if me as a first time founder go out and say, I'm going to fix entrepreneurship or I'm going to fix, you know, starting a startup. Because mm -hmm. I don't have enough experience or I haven't been hit on the head so many times. So I can say like, this is really broken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would really love to hear from your experience and also a lot about framework. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and Yusuf, thank you. I, I appreciate even even being here. The the first time we we chatted, yeah, I remember you were, you were nervous going into the Antler program, but mm -hmm. it's nothing to be nervous about. Um, a, a lot of this is just how many at-bats you have, like repetition and repetition and repetition. Um, but one of the things that I've found in entrepreneurship that's messed up is just what people preach us, right? People preach us the big billion dollar exits. They say these nice, massive valuations. They, it's like, it's kind of like Shark Tank trauma. I, I can't stand when we're just preached all of these things that really don't have any respect or empathy for what our journey actually is. Uh, so what I'm trying to do with framework is really correct that. And make sure that, you know, regardless of your stage, uh, your stage of business, that you have the connections and resources able to thrive and have this journey um, be as seamless. And it won't be seamless, be as seamless as possible. But I'm sure we'll get into that. But I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. That is amazing. And I think this fits perfectly with the goal of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I, like when I was searching for names, I wanted to make it more tangible more something that is not, you know, boasting, you know, how to grow your business in a month mm -hmm. or stuff like that. 
So I just called it something that I feel like resonates with me, which is the learning founder. Mm -hmm. My main goal in this journey is learning. I don't know if I will succeed. I don't know if I'm going to become a unicorn or something mm -hmm. like that. But I know that at the end of the day, after it has been now six months, I've met so many exciting people and I've learned so many new things. So for me, this, this is entrepreneurship so far. Yep. I would love to ask you, after all these years of experience, what is entrepreneurship for you or what is starting something, starting a startup for you? Yeah, uh, entrepreneurship or, or starting a startup for me is honestly, it's more spiritual than it is like a financial metric or something, but it is turning intangible ideas into physical realities. And to me, that is the quintessential like demand and purpose on humanity is to create, to be creators. And I think entrepreneurship and starting startups give you that chance. You take these things that you've just seen or dreamt of, right? And then you're able to craft that into a physical experience for others. And now they become a part of that. And then someone else becomes a part of that. The more customers you get, the more they become a part of that. And they scale that, that influence your ability to continue creating and bringing great things to this world versus just consuming. Um, that's, that's what this journey is for me. And that's, that's how I define it. It didn't always start like that. I mean, I worked in fortune 50s, like Johnson and Johnson. I've been in private wealth management and then I shifted into startups. Actually my first business, I started when I was 13 years old. Um, and I was born into a family of entrepreneurs. So I didn't know like jobs, like nine to fives until I got to college. And I was still trying to start things there with different college, uh, buddies and, and stuff like that. I mean graduating college, we had a solar powered battery charging company where we tried to travel to China and we're building out this whole clean tech ecosystem. But again, man, it, it boils down to turning intangible things into physical realities. That's what it is for me. When was your first startup or not startup, your first entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, it was 13 and I was doing something that was illegal. I was giving financial <laughs> advice to people, telling people how to uh, invest in stocks. <laughs> um, okay, okay. No. <laughs> well, at 13 years old, you were already thinking about how to invest in stocks? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Wow. I, I loved it. I loved it. I used to hate school because I remember I had some money in the stock market and, and it dipped up probably about like wow. 46%. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of school to go sell it. So I was How so much fast. money are we talking about? Like It was, it was $50 like... Dollars, it was like no, I was like $2,500 I would have made off of that. Ah, okay. That's you know? good. That's not yeah. bad, man. Yeah, for, yeah. That, it was good. Yeah, it was good for being 13. Yeah, exactly, man. Like, I remember when I was 13, I was playing Sims. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. You know? So cool. Okay. So I understand that this is something more natural to you because also maybe, like you said, your parents or maybe your, mm. your background comes from an entrepreneurship, you know, uh, let's say ecosystem mm -hmm. but how do you how did you feel for you going corporate working in corporate for a couple of years or maybe even less oh man i actually i, I enjoyed it corporate is something I actually i thrived at um it was fun you know being able to work with the team the, the thing that i really liked about it was it showed me what um under-resourced startups aspire to so startups have a ton of strategy, not a lot of resources, not a lot of structure. Big companies have a ton of structure, not a lot of, they have a, a ton of structure. They got a lot of resources, right? Strategy, like they, they start getting there, but they can't move as quick. And I was just like, oh, wow, there's, there's a dichotomy here. 
But if you can get these startups to have, you know, a comparable structure, align that with their strategy and resource them or capitalize them, well, then you're just putting them on at least semi-par, uh, par footing. Um, but I love corporate actually. Uh, it's not something that, that drained me. It was something that inspired me actually, but I also recognize I have an ego and I like to thrive in situations and, and, and do stuff that's, that's cool. And they tended to like that. So. And tell me about your antler journey, because I want to see if it's similar antler in New York, similar to antler in Copenhagen, or maybe it's more mature. Yeah. Um, so Antler New York is one of three of the U.S. funds um, locations in, 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 in the world, or I'm sorry, in the United States. And that journey was, I had a CTO at that point. He suggested, he was from London, suggested we apply for Antler New York, applied for it. We get into the program, um, the journey, and there's, there's some story there. I don't know if you want me to share that, but getting, actually being in the program was, you know, six weeks. Um, and you're in like the, at that point, the second or third most expensive city in the world, <laughs> but it is a beautiful, amazing city. And you go through weekly programming, right? You meet your cohort of founders. Um, you got Rosalind, Jeff, Navi, um, and they are just helping you through everything with your company. And they were great. They're really phenomenal. Um, and every, and every location there in the U S has some pretty, pretty solid people, you know, after you go through the six weeks in New York. You have the chance to pitch for, at that point, I think it was $150,000 for, for 7% mm. of the company. Um, they, they've changed that up a bit, but it's really just two things, coaching and community, right? You get a lot of coaching throughout it, and then you're surrounded by the community of entrepreneurs, which I think is the secret sauce to Amber mm. or, any, or any community um, that's trying to, to move uh, progress forward. What about the community that you're building right now? Yeah, so the community we're building right now and framework, um, it is built around that premise of founder to founder, right? Like this journey can get fucking tough, isolating, emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting. Family doesn't understand what you're doing. Friends are, have a nine to five and consistent paychecks and health insurance and all this, all of this stuff. And you're sitting there on an island by yourself. But if you can talk with other founders who have been in your shoes, they're much more likely to help you out of those dark places whenever they occur. So what we do is take a couple data points, match entrepreneurs up into groups of three, and then every week they meet, holding each other accountable, talking about their goals, supporting each other, having the most vulnerable and cathartic conversations to really push themselves forward. What we're doing now is layering into that experience an automated consultant. So not only are you supported from the emotional and visceral aspects, but your company actually gets to grow as well because we have all these diagnostics that you can take to pinpoint challenges in your business and show you exactly how to grow. Uh, so, so that's what, that's what we've been building. What has been the biggest, you know, like obstacle when you were pitching these to VCs? Uh, to VCs, honestly, like it was two things. One, we're a community and VCs inherently know they say communities don't scale well. When in actuality, communities are the only thing that has scaled, right? That's, you know, that's what underpins network effects. Um, so that was, a, that was a challenge. The, the other challenge was actually just me. You know, I got comments that my energy was too high. And, and I, don't wow. know, I don't know what that means, pound <laughs> for pound, but I, I carry that with me um, just in terms of the energy. But I just say, you know, fuck it, man, I got to beat me. Um, but actually, we actually made the decision not to raise any venture capital uh, and to 
continue just growing with our revenue and let that be the funnel for growth. Uh, but we we will raise angel capital, just not VC capital. So it's more like bootstrapping it right now? Yeah. Yeah. And how, why did you decide this path? So uh, I actually got jaded with with the venture capital ecosystem. And, and I think VCs are great in their own respect, right? They just have incentive mechanisms that treat most mm. founders and entrepreneurs like commodities. That's not the business that I'm in. If framework helps entrepreneurs get to a million dollars in net annual sales, that's a win for me. That's success. For a VC, that's not success. They want the big billion dollar exits. Mm. I rather lift the tide of entrepreneurs versus cherry picking entrepreneurs, right? Mm. Um, so that was the first thing. Uh, we didn't want to be in bed with people who didn't understand that entrepreneurs were not commodities, um, but they were people to be cultivated. Uh, the second thing is it didn't really align. VC investment doesn't really align with our ethos uh, in terms of what we're trying to do at a global scale. Um, again, it, it just comes down to a, a, a fundamental misalignment in values. Yeah. I think when first time founder thinks about starting a startup, it's the trend now that you need money from a VC. Speaking. But in reality, there's multiple, many ways that maybe it's even healthier for you to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So from day one, our focus was profitability. It wasn't the next fundraise and the next fundraise because what VCs do, um, they'll pump money into you, right? just to get you to the next round. So a couple rounds later, you have an exit, uh, you get acquired, whatever it may be, and, and they get a big payout, right? That's, that doesn't drive profitability and it doesn't create sustainable businesses in, in, our, mm. in my mind, right? What does create sustainable businesses is profit. So if you can start with that in mind and build an ecosystem around it, I think you're doing a lot better. It may take you slower, trust me. Um, the, the thing that VCs have on their side too is capital increases pace. It accelerates your growth, right? It also can accelerate failure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that narrative is is going to. I don't think it'll ever, ever get tired. Actually, that that narrative of needing money because money money's great shit. I mean, we we all want it, right? Um, it's just what does it come with? Um, mm. Can you can you find alternatives that get you to a place with more autonomy? And for me, I, I said. My autonomy is great. I walked away from $50,000 because the organization said, hey, we want you to take down a social media post. Oh, no. wow. No. So like, I don't care about the money. I care about autonomy and me being able to live how I want to live, you know. That was one expensive post. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but it makes sense, to be honest. Like a lot of founders, they start a startup because they don't, they don't want to be in a structured you know, corporate where there's all about hierarchy and all about politics, but they end up working for other people because they give them money and they end up, you know, having instead of one boss, multiple bosses. Yeah. Yeah. You know? There's, there's a, a great story. Uh, someone who, there's this wealthy businessman. He's on vacation. He travels to a guy by a river and he says, Hey man, like you're fishing. Why don't you like catch more fish? And the guy says, well, why would I do that? He's like, well, so you can get a bigger boat. He said, well, why would I want a bigger boat? He said, so you can get an even bigger boat. He said, well, what do I do when I get the bigger boat? He says, you sell it, and then you can just spend your days how you want fishing. He was like, well, I'm already fishing. I'm already <laughs> spending my days. But we ultimately go back into that cycle, right? Like, 100%. We start, you know, so. That is why I honestly think that solopreneurship or even freelancing makes more sense for most people, you know? It doesn't make sense 
if you want to build something that is not just a job for you, like it's it continues, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like most people, they just want to be able to work whenever they want, you know, to be able to put their own image onto something, like their own vibes, their own, you know, um, culture. And at the end of the day, get money and pay rent and, you know, live a good life. Yeah. But I'd, but having a startup is not just that, right? It's also thinking about what is in the next five years, what in the next six months, what in the next, you yeah. know. Yeah, agree. What is the biggest mistake that you did or you see other founders and entrepreneurs doing continuously? Bad talent. Surrounding yourself with, with people who... um aren't going to work out in the long term. I, I think what I've done in terms of my greatest mistakes historically were hire way too fast because I just needed somebody in that role, right? Bringing in engineers or bringing in a CTO who wasn't going to be a great cultural fit. Um, and, and we would have misalignments down the road and you, and you feel it in yourself when you know it's not a fit, but you're just like, oh no, I just, I need this person right now. Um, absolutely. The, those have been the worst mistakes. And I think um, a great team can win with a shitty idea, but a horrible team can't win with the, with the most amazing idea in the world. You know, I, I think that's a mistake that I've made and a mistake that a lot of founders and entrepreneurs make. What would you consider a great team? A great team, uh, I would consider three elements. One is transparency. Um, they are radically transparent with each other in terms of the things that they don't like, the things that they do like. Second, um, enough skill set to get the technical aspects of the job done. Now that might be, you know, if you're in, in machine learning, four to five years of experience and you have like some work at Amazon or something like that, but technical, technical acumen. Um, also uh, three, cultural alignment. You know, it, they may not have the best like product or service or anything like that, but a team who is aligned culturally and has the same pillars, I think, I think is, is really, is really great for us. Uh, I won't, I won't really allow anyone on the team who doesn't believe in economic empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, if you don't believe that that's the way to help people um, in terms of having their own financial freedom, it's probably not a good fit, you know? Mm -hmm. But also you don't want someone that is doing it only for the money, right? Right, right. Well, I, I, I disagree with that. Uh, I will, I will hire a salesperson whose their sole motivation is for the money, but if they have that skew towards believing in economic empowerment, right? Some of the, some of the best salespeople are straight up dogs, <laughs> but in the best way, <laughs> you know, but what about a co-founder or like, you know, a C-level oh. person? Would you, would you like work with someone that is doing it only for the money? No, 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 no. Not, um, not from a co-founder perspective. Maybe somebody fractional, but uh, mm. co-founder perspective, no, 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 no. The incentives are just misaligned, you know. How do you empower the people that you work with? Um, and, and honestly, with all respect to all, everyone that uh, is listening, mm -hmm. I'm asking these questions for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. Um, I am, I'm surgical when it when it comes to uh, empowering the people I work with. When individuals come in on their onboarding, I give them two surveys. The first survey is a dream survey. And I ask, hey, what are the dreams you want to accomplish in your lifetime? 
The second survey is I asked them about six elements of their life, like their physical, mental, emotional, social, so on and so forth. But what's your relationship with your physical self? What are your goals? Like, what are the things that you're not doing well physically, like eating, dietary habits, working out? And what are the things you want to do? And I read through all of those. And I put together these really specific plans that every week we have a one-on-one and I'm checking in with them on how are you doing socially? How are you doing emotionally? But I'm also sending little gifts throughout the way. It might be a song. It might be a YouTube meditation. But those are the things that help a person evolve because they've already told me how they want to see themselves in the future. Now, all I'm doing is just accelerating that by actualizing what they've written down and expressed to me. But that's, that's exactly how I do it. Now, let's be honest. Don't you think there's a bit of conflict in you being their manager and mm. then them opening up to you that mm. this could reflect back into, you know, you considering them, I don't know, not doing their job properly or something like that? Mm. So the first thing to get right is the hiring to make sure that people have the right accountability metrics in place. The second thing is, yeah, I do run that risk, right? Um, there's a reason for that too, because I know that like, Tomorrow's not promised in terms of bootstrapping a business. If I have to go three months without cash, those people have fallen enough in love with, with me and the company to stay on, right? In the meantime. Now, as it relates to getting like buddy, buddy and friends, I don't keep too many friends around who aren't accountable in my personal mm. social circle. So I wouldn't expect that to reflect in, in the corporate circle either, right? There's a level of boundaries that I probably have to have that I'm not good at, right? <laughs> but uh I agree. You're, you're, the risk is there. It absolutely is. I think one of the most underrated skills that people have is the ability to build trust with others, the mm -hmm. ability to, accept, to excite others, and at the same time, the ability to ask for help or resources, like being resourceful, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what is this skill in, in general called, but also myself, honestly, in the past two years, I've been trying to take more responsibility, more leadership and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And I figured that I thought that this skill or this, you know, characteristic, everyone has it, which is mm -hmm. being able to walk in a room and become friends with someone for five minutes. And then if needed, ask for help without being pushy, right? Without being that I need you, I'm talking to you just because I need your help. I think yeah. this is a is like what you just described is like your team is joining your idea, not because maybe of the full idea, but because they believe in you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So th there is like a very hidden skill, I would say there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I'm just tapping into that. Um, historically, right, like I, I brought a team on a while ago just for a couple months. And one of the guys who left the team after three months, I was like, hey, man, what what could we have done better? He said, well, I just didn't feel like you know, you really owned it as, as the mm. founder here, you know, we didn't have regular meetings, you know, the culture wasn't there. I didn't see that excitement that I first saw. And this whole time I was like, well, geez, dude, like he had a full-time job. I just wasn't trying to press his schedule too much, you know, but that's exactly mm. what he wanted. He just wanted that authenticity. So I'm just starting to realize that the more that shows through, um, the, the stronger you grip the, the right talent and the right people and, and galvanize them. Which person in your life or character, even if it's not a real person, like if it's a mm -hmm. fictional character, had most impact on you growing up and even like in your career, not just like when you were a child? My dad, hands down, my dad. 
Um, my dad grew up in Philly. Um, he's dyslexic, but they didn't catch his dyslexia until he was graduating his final wow. year at Cornell for architecture. <laughs> right. Um, but he thrived, man. He built his own architectural practice. Um, when I was a kid, he brought me into the office most days that I wasn't in school, like during summer and, and I worked, I packaged up like proposals and saw how they did business. Um, my dad has been instrumental in, in who I am today. Um, yeah. And the most influential. And he's still around. Yeah. Yeah. He's still around. Uh, shout yeah. out to him. Big shout out to yeah. him. Big, 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 <laughs> big shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I think this is one of the biggest um, advantages that you had, right? Having mm -hmm. a good role model in front of you that taught you like that this is possible. What you're doing is yeah. possible, right? Yeah. But now I would like to jump just one step back. So you finished your corporate job, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a big corporation, successful role. Why did you decide to start a startup? Yeah. I always knew I was going to start a startup, start a startup. Um, but main reason I had a mission man, um, and that mission really is to see people across the world economically empowered on their own financial platform so they can make decisions that they want to in the world that I'm not going to get that by, um, I'm not going to get that financially by working at a company, right? Um, you get, you know, maybe over the course of your career, I don't know, seven, eight million dollars, um, probably more. I don't know what it is. Uh, but those aren't the type of numbers that really have a global widespread impact. Um, two, it's what I knew. Like entrepreneurship is my box that I can't really see outside of. Having my dad with his own firm, my mom has her own business and had her own business growing up. Um, when I was growing up, there were just black entrepreneurs around me. That's what I was exposed to. So um, I could have chosen a different path, but that's what, that's what I was predisposed to. And, and I was like, I, I like what I'm predisposed to. So, yeah. How did you feel about the pay cut? Uh, it wasn't a big pay cut. Uh, ah, okay. Probably, then, then you were a lucky entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was very, very lucky the first. So like a couple roles, there were, there were some pay cuts, like joining startups. But when I started building my own, like I freelance consulted and, I, I think I, I went from, um, I was working at a startup, I was getting paid, you know, $80,000 a year. Like that was inclusive of commission. And then the next year I started my firm, I'm sorry, I started framework and I brought in $212,000, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was the freelance consulting on the side was just a way to like pay the bills for us to get started. So it mm -hmm. wasn't a huge pay cut. There was, there was a year that there was a fucking pay cut and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. what is this? What is this? Uh, but it it was fine, man. Um, it's it's not like I've never been broke before. <laughs> yeah, that that's a blessing. Knowing that you can survive on the bottom, you know, like the, like you know that the worst in your imagination, you've already been there. So yeah. you know that it's not that bad. It's okay. Yeah. You can you can do it. I think that's also, to be honest, one of the biggest unfair advantages that I've had. I come from a mixed background, right? So I'm Italian, Jordanian, mixed. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Jordan in, um, I would say in a humble, uh, you know, like environment. And then when I moved to, to, to the West, when I moved to London and then um, Spain and Denmark and a bit of Italy, 
everything felt like better. <laughs> you know, like last year I lost my job in what I thought would be my dream company. And then it completely broke me. You know, like it, it, like this was the worst because I was always overachiever or at least always like doing good. And then I reached, you know, I graduated from my master's degree and I went to the best job that I could find in Barcelona. So I, yeah. I was really like hating. I am, I'm there now, right? Like I'm doing it. Mom, mm -hmm. look at me, be proud, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then six months in, they terminate my contract. Of course, like I love these guys, so no, no hard feelings or anything like that. But that completely like resetted, you know, the the standards that I had for myself. Because now, okay, do I look for another job? But then I already had a very good job. What do I what do I do? Like, do I look for something better or do I look for something that anything that comes? Mm -hmm. And then Antler came. You know? And for me, it was like, okay, I can, I think I can survive a couple of months without salary. Mm -hmm. And this was the biggest fear that I had that, you know, like if I grew up that if you don't work or you don't study, like there's nothing else. You have to either work or study. Yeah. And for six months, almost, I was not working and not studying. I mean, not working for money. I was at Anter, right? Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, look, more than a year later, I'm doing fine. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. And that the hell that I was imagining was not even hell. It was actually a good experience. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So sometimes we're, we overthink things, but being able to compare worse situations with what you have right now is such a yeah. big blessing, man. Yeah. So, so tell me something. As you reflect on that, right, over the past year, there's been a lot like that you've experienced. What would you say is the most insightful thing you learned about yourself having gone through that journey? There, there's two parts. Like the, the first part, I discovered that the worst that I was thinking about was not that bad. It was actually mm -hmm. a blessing in disguise because I got to do something that I really like right now. You know, mm -hmm. the second thing, which I discovered about myself with the antler, you know, whole experience was that the things that I thought that were everyone had, not everyone has, and they mm. are actually important skills. And that's one of my the main reasons why I'm starting Leia, the, the educational app yeah. that focuses on soft skills. Because I feel like a lot of people could be in much, much, much better situations mm -hmm. if they just realize that they have a lot of skills, right? For me to be able to walk in a room and create a good impression with someone that I just met and being, you know, memorable, being honest, being genuine. I feel like this is a huge blessing that a lot of people either don't have, or even if they have, they think it's something silly or that's something normal. Mm. Right. One of the biggest um, doubts that I had when I joined Antler was that would I be enough to be able to work with someone or to be picked by someone? Right. Because I'm, I was kind of a generalist with not that much years of experience, like a couple of years, while there was people with years of experience, like 10, 20 uh, years. And I yeah. thought like it's going to be like in high school when you have two teams and they start picking members. Right. Yeah. And then you end up at the end or not being picked. That was like that was 
for two months before Antler, I was only thinking about that. I had a spreadsheet with all the name of people, you know, in front of me. Maybe I repeated this in the previous episode, but I don't care. Yeah. You know, and I, and I was like trying to stalk everyone, trying to talk with everyone before Antler, just to make sure that I am here. Listen, look at me. I'm not a technical mm-hmm. person, but I can help, you know. And then when I joined Antler, the first day, I met my co-founder. We were the first team that, you know, that started working. And until today, we're like one of the, I don't, I don't want to flex, but we were one of the teams that did not pivot or, you know, change or like even had a strong discussion about, you know, the chemistry Mm -hmm. and everything. Nice. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's, That's beautiful. Yeah. But you, you, you're the person who welcomes life though, right? Like you see through a lens, right? And, and I assume that's probably because you've been through some pain or struggles in life that, you know, you don't, you don't look down upon. You just recognize that they were, you know, constructive to your existence. Um, but that's beautiful. I, I love your outlook on, on life and your ability to go out, seek the experiences you want, but then actually experience those as well, you know? But I mean, look, look at it even from our conversation right now, right? You could have said that you're busy or that what is the clear outcome of talking to someone in Denmark? There's no mm-hmm. clear outcome. Like there is no one plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. It's more one plus X plus Y plus W plus yeah. 35 might equal yeah. something, right? If you look at it like as a, as a, a relationship that you get, I give you this and you get that, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if yeah. you look at it that I am curi- I'm, I'm curious to talk to someone just because it's a human being and, you know, they have experience and I have experience and if we share them, we're going to get something out of it. If not today, maybe in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Uh, mic drop. I don't have anything else. No, to, no, no, to no, no. This is... Um, I was on a rant again. <laughs> I love but it. I'm, I'm, love I'm it. super uh, interested in one specific question that I think it's one of my favorite questions. Mm-hmm. When would you consider yourself successful? What is the Yesterday. KPI? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just What is the KPI for you to say, okay, David, now you're successful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's tough for me. I think that's changed over time. At one point, it was like a certain number financially. As of late, man, it's just been, my dad's been through some health issues. Uh, mm. As of late, successful to me has actually been like, um, so with Framework, whenever an entrepreneur subscribes to it, we send them a physical gift in the mail. And it's a box with a couple of surprises, right? Um, my dad's an architect, but he moon, moonlights as an artist. And I asked my dad, hey, can you make a piece of art for me to put on this box, to print on this box? And dad is, is going to go out to like 1,200 entrepreneurs when, when we republish the app. He said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Starts working on it, goes to the hospital um, and isn't able, to, isn't able to, to do too much with it. He comes out of the hospital and he says, you know what, David, when you were going through chemo as a kid, I actually made this piece of artwork. And he shows me this piece of artwork and I'm like, oh, I love this. So we take that and we put it on the box. For me right now, success is 
my dad being alive to see that go to thousands of entrepreneurs. Um, and then I'm, I'm cool, you know, um, I'll probably define another success metric after that, but, but that's, that's something just like to see my dad say, oh, wow, son, I get it, you know, um, or just to see his work go out to, to these people that, that would mean a lot to me. Why are you putting your career goal? I don't know if it's life goal, but why are you putting your career goal related to financial empowerment? Growing up, man, I got to see what it was like from a lot of different vantage points. Um, not having money, having money, um, first generation black millionaires, black entrepreneurs, white entrepreneurs, like all, all these all these different types of, of, of experiences. And I realized that when you don't have to worry about your next meal, your next paycheck, your next this, your next that, you are free to ponder all the questions of the universe freely, truly, freely. And that is a different feeling than having to like struggle and get there, right? And struggling with its own rewards. But selfishly, I want to see more people experience that and be able to ponder the questions of the universe and live a little bit more freely. That's why I attach that because economic empowerment to me is a way to money is running through all, all of society, right? Like it's something that a lot of people need in order to move and exchange like goods. Um, but I want to see people on a platform where they can make decisions freely, flexibly. Uh, that's why it's tied to me. Mm. But don't you think economic in general, it's very relative? If I have money, does that mean that I have to have money more than someone else to feel good about myself? Oh, okay. I got you. I'm, I'm sure people have those perspectives. Yeah. Um, I don't think inherently it means that you have to have more money to uh, be better than someone else. I'm talking about the people who don't have <laughs> money, right? Like, and they're struggling every day. And I don't mean everybody needs to become like multi, multi-millionaires. But, yo, if, if, if Framework helps you get a business to, you know, a million dollars in, in net annual revenue and you can take your family on two vacations a year now or whatever it is, that's powerful, right? It doesn't, it's not about like comparatively. It's just about like you have more flexibility to create generational wealth, support your family, support yourself, take care of your health do a lot of things, but I, I don't, I don't mean it in a comparative sense. I just mm -hmm. mean people having enough financial stability to make more flexible decisions where they're not beholden to like their nine to five or not beholden to having to work to live, but you know, you can live to work, you know? And what's next for David? What's next? Um, this Lego set. <laughs> made in denmark see it was meant to be man yeah. this yeah, is man. we're we're uh, we're connected somehow see <laughs> absolutely absolutely but that's next uh no no what's next for me man is uh reaching sixty thousand dollars in monthly revenue for our company because that puts us on a on a position where we can hire a little bit more freely um but also uh we, we're not beholden to like having to get a, a vc check or an angel check it's just we got this revenue coming in we're profitable and we're bellissimo. <laughs> <laughs> I approve the Italian. Good, good, good. <laughs> cool. And I guess cool. this is also related to what next, what's next for framework. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is what's next for, for framework. Um, and me, I've, we're, we're kind of intertwined at this point. But you know, like I was very impressed when I saw the video presentations that you do, like the mm -hmm. on Loom. 
um and also the 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 visual branding that you build you have some very very like talented people that you work with honestly like i really like the colors i like the the shapes of the you know the rectangles that they are like unique like if now i look mm -hmm. at it again i will i will get a feeling that this is framework yeah thank you man i appreciate that it was a uh, very intentional <laughs> so. now of course yeah and wrapping up for first time founders what were some lessons that you learned throughout mm. this journey that could help first time founders oh man we could do another podcast on that but <laughs> i'll just list them out uh one keep your ego in check uh because like you may have like really really great ideas but you got to recognize that there are structural things you have not faced before like incorporation regulations uh legality um investor conversations partner conversations sales contracts all these different things just keep your ego in check two um if you're in higher ed and you're beta testing products keep the price to $5000 a contract because colleges don't need higher up signatures you can get that um pretty easily find solitude uh to be able to craft what you need because throughout the day you're interacting with so many people so many ideas so many pieces of content off Instagram off LinkedIn off all this stuff you don't really know which thoughts are yours versus which thoughts are somebody else's so if you can have solitude it's going to take probably about 15 20 minutes to clear out all of that other stuff and then there's just peace um other stuff for first founders travel just get out of wherever you are and expose yourself to as many different ideologies practices religions concepts as possible if you're in uh clean tech um make sure you take a physical trip to shenzhen china amazing place to to take a trip another thing for first time founders read fucking books just read books the physical act of reading a book is so transformative in terms of educating and equipping you and slowing you down um another thing oh first time founders find a find a breathing practice like a deep breathing practice that resets you and recenters your entire uh your entire body and your physiology uh those are some of the things that I that I can suggest for, for I think oh, we, also uh joy framework you know get get with the that, community that like, was I was waiting for you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last question for you that yeah. what is your exit strategy uh to sell to a large consulting firm um, right now that's that's what our exit strategy is that is very honest yeah and uh, i think you can achieve that i believe you will like if we speak what's your timeline I don't know. I don't I don't have one. I wouldn't do it until, you know, my fingers are a little decrepit because I, there are certain goals I have to achieve, you know, mm. and I need to make sure that I, I achieve those before before there's an exit. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. next time we speak, we're going to, you know, catch up on this. And I really really appreciate this time that you shared with us. I think your experience overall Ah, actually no, no, wait, wait. You have written a book. I wanted to say yeah. that your experience can write a book, but you did write a book. <laughs> right? Yeah, I published it with uh, an investment partner, Jeff Becker, out of Antler. So we just we just released that book. I'm actually working on a, another one um, specific to framework and the founder journey. So I'll keep you in the loop about that as Let's well. Let's go, man. Maybe we can yeah. also collaborate. You know, we we are also teaching people, so maybe you can do a course about uh, you know entrepreneurship or. I'm know, with it. Uh, I'm with it, man. It's very exciting stuff. Thank you again, David. Cool. And, hey, thank uh, you. Hope to talk soon again. 
Absolutely. <laughs>